Welcome to the New Thinking for a New World podcast, where we explore the most pressing issues that are challenging and changing our societies. We are looking for new thinking and new solutions wherever we can find them. Listen as host Alan Stoga, the Talberg Foundation's chairman, challenges his guests for analysis, ideas and actions. Together, we can help make our world at least a bit better. More than 4.6 million people, 90% women and children, have fled the war in Ukraine since the Russians invaded on February 24th. At least another 7 million people have been internally displaced within the country. That is already the largest movement of refugees in Europe since World War II. The number of refugees and of those internally displaced, but far more tragically of civilians killed and wounded, is rising rapidly as President Putin's strategy of war on cities and on the people who live in them intensifies. The result is that refugees are pouring into neighboring countries. Most are going to Poland, where at least 2.7 million people had arrived by April 11th, according to the Polish border guard. Another one and a half million almost have gone to other Eastern European members of the EU. Those numbers are almost incomprehensible in human terms. Again, they are mostly women and children. They must be terrified and are probably arriving with almost no clothes or food or medicine or cash. How are they received? How are they protected? Since almost every humanitarian crisis attracts vultures, who protects the vulnerable? Do they expect to return to a post-war Ukraine, or do they hope their husbands, fathers, and brothers might eventually join them in Europe? And what are Poles, as well as Romanians, Hungarians, and others thinking as these refugees pour into their countries? As always, there are more questions and answers, but this episode of New Thinking for a New World is more about bearing witness and understanding than it is about imagining solutions. My guest is Marta Gorkizenska a Polish human rights lawyer who has been deeply engaged in the crisis at the Belarus-Polish border, as well as working more generally with Ukrainian refugees. Welcome, Marta. Thank you for joining us. Hello. Thank you for having me here. Let me start with the background. What is the reality on the border, first on the Polish-Ukraine border and then on the Polish-Belarus border? Well, the last year was very challenging for Poland in terms of uh, receiving uh, refugees. First, it started with the Polish-Belarusian border. As uh, probably most of you know, um, there is an, the, the still ongoing humanitarian crisis at the Belarusian border with uh, a lot of uh, migrants, asylum seekers, uh, fleeing from countries uh, in Middle East and in Africa, arriving to Belarus and then trying to enter EU uh, via Polish external borders. And um, uh, since the very beginning of the crisis, uh, Polish government um, implemented the pushback policy, uh, pushing most of the people back to Belarus and uh, uh, not allowing them to access the asylum proceedings. Uh, it raises a lot of human rights concerns, obviously. Um, um, a lot of people, a lot of activists, a lot of local residents uh, living near the border with Belarus uh, are engaging in providing humanitarian assistance to those stranded in the forest between Poland and Belarus. 
And uh, now, uh, for the last two months, uh, we also have refugees fleeing Ukraine. It's uh, it's uh, it's uh, it's another border uh, affected by the by the crisis, but it's 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 handled in in very different way. Um, we offer a very warm welcome to refugees fleeing uh, Ukraine, uh, with the government uh, uh, providing necessary assistance, with a lot of volunteers, NGOs, private people going to the border, and uh, legally providing assistance to those fleeing uh, war. And I, I'm highlighting here, here this word legally because um, on the Belarusian border, providing humanitarian assistance is, uh, is considered uh, illegal. And um, more and more activists are now facing criminal charges for what they're doing at this border. So I'll ask the obvious question. Uh, what is the difference? Or rather, why is the difference? Well, this would be the question to the government, obviously. Um, I don't know this answer. I guess it's political. Uh, well, Poland uh, for the last year was uh, was a country that was not very welcoming for refugees in general. But as we see right now, it was mostly towards refugees fleeing um, Middle East or African countries. Uh, but when it comes to people fleeing Ukraine, we call them brothers, we call them our friends, and we offer them shelter, which is a very good thing to do. And obviously it is a right thing to do, but it also shows that there are different standards regarding uh, people uh, seeking for protection in Poland, and it depends on their nationality, on the, on their, uh, on the um, country from which they flee. You're a lawyer. Let me ask a legal question Clearly, the government is treating people differently. The EU is treating uh, refugees differently. What is the legal status of the refugees coming from Ukraine in Poland in Europe? Uh, there was a new law passed last month uh, allowing people fleeing Ukraine to legally reside in Poland for uh, 18 months. It can be further prolonged and offering them uh, special treatment, um, uh, social benefits, access to, to health care, access to education, access to labor market, uh, which obviously allows those people fleeing Ukraine to start uh, a new life in Poland with, uh, or, you know, at least temporary uh, stay here until they can go back home and uh, and and have a, a pretty decent life in terms of you know having access to almost all um, uh, let's say social benefits as, as Polish people do uh, and um, also uh, you know that the, the EU uh, introduced uh, new measures concerning people fleeing Ukraine uh, allowing them to to travel within the EU to uh, look for the to for look for the, the 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 country in which they want to reside after fleeing Ukraine, which also give them an opportunity to join their families if they have you know family members living in other EU states, and um, this is this is something that uh, obviously. Is something is something unprecedented. We haven't seen uh, this before. Um, you maybe remember that in 2015, when uh, um, uh, when when Europe, when the EU was challenged with uh, a lot of people fleeing countries like Syria 
or Afghanistan and uh, seeking uh, seeking shelter in in Europe, there was also a discussion to introduce some kind of a temporary measure to offer those people uh, some some protection, and it was never done. Uh, there was never an, uh, there, there was never an agreement uh, reached by the by the EU member states to offer um, any kind of a special treatment for those. Uh, while here, you know, with the Ukrainian uh, crisis, with uh, uh, with the um, with the um, influx of Ukrainian refugees seeking shelter in EU, it was very quick for the EU to decide that we need some special measures, and. Once again, it's a very good thing, and uh, and uh, obviously it really helps people who had to flee their homes. But it also shows that you know we can treat um, people differently in a human way, uh, and uh, maybe we should also implement the same standards, the same uh, kind of protection to all other people fleeing, uh, fleeing wars, fleeing persecutions, uh, coming from different regions and parts of the world, uh, and arriving in Europe. I want to come back to that in a second, but let me just finish with one legal technicality. Uh, does either the Polish law or the new EU directives apply to people still in Ukraine? For example, since most of the refugees are women and children, since men are not eligible, allowed to leave Ukraine if you're of fighting age, do they? Do the families that have left have any right to bring people eventually? So if a husband, if a brother, if a father uh, down the road is allowed to leave Ukraine because the situation evolves, however it does, uh, could they come into Poland? Could they come into the EU? Well, obviously they they can. Right now, Poland Poland is allowing um, um, every person who, um, who who flees Ukraine uh, entry uh, without any additional requirements, and this is the same for all other neighboring countries um, uh, to Ukraine. So uh, it doesn't even have to be you know any formal family reunification kind of proceeding. Everybody can enter and then everybody can benefit from these new regulations, uh, allowing them to stay legally uh, in, in the EU. Maybe we should mention that, uh, well, almost everyone, this uh, law, this new law doesn't apply to people who do not have Ukrainian citizenship, which means that it's only for uh, Ukrainian citizens and certain groups of third country nationals, uh, such as people who obtained international protection in Ukraine or had a permanent residence stay there, uh, but only if they cannot safely return to their home countries. Almost 3 million refugees is approaching 10% of Poland's population. That's a huge number. Poland does not have, I understand, camps where refugees are uh, being put. So that would be a huge burden on the housing situation, um, a huge burden on the food supply, a huge at a time of inflation, et cetera, et cetera. What, what's the mood in Poland about the Ukrainian refugees? 
I would say that there is a huge, huge enthusiasm, um, you know, in receiving refugees uh, from Ukraine. People are, are almost bragging, you know, how many people they are sheltering in their own homes, uh, how many people they, they were able to help. People are, are organizing, you know, amazing help, uh, even going to Ukraine with, you know, uh, medicines or with food and then taking people from Ukraine to Poland, helping them to, uh, to get here safely. Um, a lot of private companies uh, offered uh, some kind of assistance, you know, like medical companies. Uh, they're, they're, they are free, train tickets distributed to people fleeing Ukraine. So it's all, you know, amazing when you look at it, obviously. And like I'm saying, there is a lot of enthusiasm, although we are, we are, we are noticing the first signs of uh, exhaustion, you know. People are getting tired of helping because uh, most of the work, uh, especially, you know, at the beginning of the crisis uh, was done by volunteers, by volunteers, uh, ordinary people, NGOs. Uh, like you're saying, we do not have uh, even dedicated reception uh, reception centers for people fleeing Ukraine. So it was all done by by people who offered their own homes uh, for for. for for, uh, for Ukrainians. But it's not a sustainable solution, obviously. And uh, the government, the, the state has to step in. And I think we're, uh, we're going into the second phase of the crisis where uh, people are already quite tired. Um, and, you know, like it's, 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 it's very human. I mean, like if you, if you offer your house, you know, for a you know, family of four or five and uh, after a month or two, you still don't see, you know, any signs of the, of the assistance that can be provided by the government, you know, for you to, to find, you know, something more uh, sustainable for this family, then you start getting tired. And we, we, we start noticing that, that, that this, is, uh, this is happening. So the government right now has to think about uh, providing uh, permanent places of, uh, of residence, of accommodation for those people. And uh, we still don't see it's happening. And this is the problem that it's, uh, that's actually, you know, um, uh, with the, with the lack of preparation that that's first of all. Uh, so it seems that the government was not prepared very well for the, for the, for the crisis, uh, for the Russian invasion, although it was known for quite a while that it might happen, you know, uh, any, any, anytime soon. Uh, and also, we see that this is also the the result of the uh, well years of uh, of uh, policy with the lack of uh, uh, you know proper migration policy. Uh, Poland, like I like I've said before, uh, it, it, it's a. It, it's not very welcoming towards refugees, um, and never um, established a system of integrating them. And now we are seeing the results of that. Now we we need to set the system like from the scratch, actually, and uh, that's what I guess the government is right now trying to do. But it's 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 really slow, and uh, and uh, we see already problems with well housing. That's one thing, but you know healthcare system, which needs to uh, adjust to a lot of new patients, and especially you know patients with special needs, such as uh, victims of uh, uh, war traumas, uh, injured people, elder people, sick people, um, and you know patients who do not speak Polish. So you need to also to provide interpreters for them, and you know all these additional services. 
um, you know, the education system, uh, it's also a challenge. Uh, uh, there are a lot, a lot of Ukrainian kids right now in Poland and um, there is no, no vision, uh, no, no, no vision on how to, uh, well, how to, um, how to provide them education in Poland, you know, in their probably native language because they, they do not know Polish. If we do not know, uh, if we do not have the integrational assistance and so on. So this is also quite a, quite a challenge right now. Do you know leaders that sound like these? Leaders, young or old, who are changing the world? Who are not content with what is and are willing to work for what could be? If so, nominate them for the Talberg SNF Eliasson Global Leadership Prize at talbergprize.org. That's T-A-L-L-B-E-R-G prize.org. Do you expect any answers? Do you, do you think answers come, do they come from Warsaw? Do they come from Brussels? Well, right now we 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 mostly see some uh, ad hoc solutions. Uh, uh, so all these challenges are addressed by the by NGOs, by local governments, by you know, uh, by people who are devoting their spare time to you know um, uh, assist uh, Ukrainians in dealing with everyday life here in Poland. But we need some systemic solutions for that. Um, and here, obviously, the EU can be can be of help. Um, uh, but right now, I don't see a good cooperation between the EU and the Polish government. Uh, well, maybe when it comes to 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 dealing with the with Ukrainian refugees, it will be different. But you know, for the last year, there was you know this uh, uh, quite open conflict between the European Commission and Poland on the rule of law and other issues like the lack of independent judiciary. And obviously, it's not helping right now. It's not helping with you know uh, finding some. Uh, some solutions uh, for the for the situation. Let's go down that rabbit hole. You are you understate the case that the there's been tension between Warsaw and Brussels, to put it mildly, over the last year and two, year or two. Uh, suddenly, we're in the middle of this crisis. Poland is behaving very differently as a leader in trying to cope with this migration crisis. It's not going away anytime soon. It's going to have a huge impact on Poland. Does it have a huge impact, do you think, and I'm now asking you to speculate, does it have a huge impact on how Poland is viewed and treated by Brussels? First question. And the corollary is, does this crisis perhaps have a consequence for Poland's migration policy more generally? So let's separate those those two things. First is about, does this change the relationship between Poland and the rest of Europe? And then the second is going to be about migration policy. Yes, I I would answer yes to the first question. Uh, it seems that uh, that the um, that the EU is kind of like uh, forgetting uh, uh, all this, you know. Um, well, let me start over. Uh, what I wanted to say. Yeah. So okay. Once again, so yeah, so my answer to your first question is yes. Um, yes, I think that right now, um, you know, um, 
that the rule of law crisis or the lack of the the um, uh, independence of the judiciary it's it's not the it's not the first issue right now eu is concentrating on uh, on the on the ukrainian issue and here poland it's obviously a crucial partner so you know naturally some of these conflicts had to you know be you know just Uh, taken under the table and right now uh, the discussion is about something else. Um, There will be some money transferred from the EU to Poland uh, and you remember that this was also an issue for the last months uh, whether Poland will receive um, any funding uh, due to the lack of uh, of the well, respecting of the of the of the EU law and and the rule of law crisis. So this is something that yeah, this is definitely something uh, that it's it's changing this uh, this um, uh, this situation. Uh, and regarding the the general migration situation, well, um, definitely it 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 should uh, uh, change our approach to migration i mean we cannot long, we cannot uh, uh, um, uh, pretend anymore that we're not receiving refugees and that we do not you know uh, have migrants in poland we we have to finally admit that there are so many of them that we have to start you know setting up the the, the migration policy some kind of a vision what kind of uh, migration uh, policy we would like to have in Poland um, uh, providing additional services for them like you know language courses or uh, even you know uh, cooperating with NGOs who's uh, which uh, for years have been uh, providing assistance for those and uh, are right now the natural partner for the government to uh, deal with so many uh, so many uh, uh, refugees from Ukraine so um, it has to change definitely but you know at the same time when i'm looking at the belarusian border i'm a bit uh, afraid that you know for other refugees in poland it might change not in such a good direction since the beginning of the russian invasion on ukraine we see that actually the situation at the belarusian border is is only getting worse and this is because uh, well we suspect that since you know uh, um Poland is right now receiving so many refugees from Ukraine and, you know, there is, um, and the, the, the whole world is admiring Poland for what they're doing here. Nobody, you know, looks anymore at the Belarusian border where, where we have this, you know, huge human rights violations. And right now we are seeing that, uh, that the policy there is more and more cruel. Uh, more and more activists are being arrested, are being harassed for what they're doing. And, uh, and the situation there is, is only getting worse. So, well, this is maybe uh, not something optimistic. Um, but yeah, that, 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 that's how I see it right now. I think you're right. We could well see a hardening of, of policies towards non-Ukrainian refugees uh, in Europe as, um, as this crisis continues and as the refugee flows from the Ukraine uh, continue to increase. 
Yeah, yeah, we, we've been actually seeing it for a long time right now, uh, um, you know, at all European borders. So what's happening at the Polish-Belarusian border, it's not something new, right? Uh, the, the, the pushbacks, uh, criminalization of humanitarian aid, um, not uh, respecting the asylum law, not respecting the EU law. And, uh, well, European Union turning the blind eye on, this, on these violations. Which is a scary observation, because if Ukraine tells us anything, it tells us that we're going to see more and more migrations uh, in the future, whether driven by climate or by war or by by disease. Uh, that's a known known. And we're seeing both this very good reaction, but also a very bad reaction. Yes, yes, absolutely. And, uh, you know, uh, the <laughs> It's obvious that we'll be seeing more and more migration, um, you know, due to the climate change, wars, uh, um, um, inequalities and so on. And we should be prepared for that. So the question is not if, the question is how, you know, not if we want to receive people. People will be coming anyway. We should have you know, uh, uh, policies and, and solutions on how to integrate them, how to, how to make it uh, safe for, you know, both people arriving and people receiving them. And, you know, the example of Ukraine shows us that it is possible. And this is maybe something optimistic, you know, in, in only what the last six weeks, we've received uh, almost 3 million people, uh, from Ukraine and, you know, nothing, happened i mean like there is no collapse of the state you know uh, uh we're pretty fine here people are doing amazing job um and we're you know slowly learning how to how to how to improve this process how to make it even better for for people arriving and also you know for people uh, who are offering them uh, uh, shelter here and i think you know when we compare it to the numbers of you know let's say this you know 20000 people that were trying to cross the border from ukraine to poland or even, you know, 2015 when, you know, almost uh, or maybe a little bit more than one million people, you know, entered uh, the EU uh, uh, in a year, uh, then, you know, it's, it, it shows that maybe we, we're exaggerating with our fears, with, you know, uh, um, our... Um, yeah, our, our thinking that this is something that it's, you know, too much for Europe, that it cannot be done. Well, it can be. And, and right now, the, the, the example of Ukraine shows us that it can be done in a, in, a safe, uh, in a safe way. I can't end without addressing the elephant in the room. And the elephant in the room is obvious. Uh, Poland and Ukraine have a relationship that goes back hundreds of years. Uh, Poland, had, the borders moved back and forth over time. Ukraine's been part of Poland, et cetera, et cetera. Part of the receptivity is, of course, these people look and act and have a relationship that's old. It's, it's ancient relationship. Yet migrants from the Middle East or from Africa uh, are different. Uh, they're racially different. They're religiously different. They are different in many ways. And surely some of the receptivity now is about that. Well, I would say that some of the challenges are uh, obviously very different and some of the challenges are very similar, you know. Obviously, it's it's much easier for Ukrainians because of uh, of the language, which is very similar to Polish, uh, because they have, uh, most of them have some family members or some relatives already in Poland. Um 
but you know some of the challenges are still the same i mean they still have to you know uh, somehow uh, um uh, use the um, healthcare system uh, find some housing at some point um uh, they they might need psychological assistance and and all of this actually doesn't you know it, it doesn't matter from where you are, you are the the challenge here is it's quite the same so that's what i'm saying that obviously here it might be slightly easier but it's not that it's so different you know from you know any other person coming to poland from uh, from not so close uh, country as ukraine is so i'd say that you know we can we can learn from that experience we can see what works and then implement it also you know for other people because like we said before the migrations won't stop just because we want them to stop uh, and because you know uh, we will uh, implement hostile po- policies people are coming anyway and uh, the choice i think it's only you know how will we receive it and you know if you receive people in a in a in a in a warm way like you do with ukrainians they are they're grateful and they they you know uh, they're uh, they they can you know easily integrate into the society and contribute to it and i think it's the same for all people and uh, we've seen also these examples from you know for for other people who came not from from such a close country as ukraine is uh, and it was the same case we just need to show them you know uh compassion and empathy rather than hostility thank you very much for this conversation uh, as well as for the efforts you're making uh and and finally for the attitude you're right a migrant's a migrant probably not their choice and if we treat them with sympathy and empathy we probably get a better outcome for everyone thank you very much thank you for joining us please rate our show on apple podcast and subscribe meanwhile you can find us on facebook twitter and instagram or you can subscribe to our newsletter at talbergfoundation.org to learn more about our work that's t a l l b e r g foundation.org Thank you and we'll be back again next week for another episode of Talberg's New Thinking for a New World. This podcast was brought to you through the generous support of SNF, the Stavros Niarchos Foundation.